Hello, I'm Mary, and you're listening to First Pages Readings. In this podcast, I explore reading and celebrate books as cultural messengers. Each episode, I'll read from three books of either fiction, nonfiction, young adult, middle grade, or poetry. Hello and welcome to First Pages Readings, Episode 45, and thanks for joining me. Today I'll be reading from three books of fiction. Let's get started. Today's first book is Gardens in the Dunes by Leslie Marmon Silco. With gorgeous storytelling, lush descriptions of the natural world, and characters who come alive in revealing portraits of their inner lives, this book is as much about the history and the clash of two cultures as it is about the life of a young woman and her spirit to endure. The narrative builds gracefully, filled with the irony, suffering, and beauty that is possible in life. The First Page of Gardens in the Dunes Sister Salt called her to come outside. The rain smelled heavenly. All over the sand dunes, datura blossoms, round and white as moons, breathed their fragrance of magic. Indigo came up from the pit house into the heat. The ground under her bare feet was still warm, but the rain and the breeze felt cool, so cool and refreshing on her face. She took a deep breath and ran up the dune, where Sister Salt was naked in the rain. She pulled the ragged sack over her head and felt the rain and wind so cool, so fragrant, all over her body. Off in the distance, there was a faint rumble of thunder, and the wind stirred. The raindrops were larger now. She tilted back her head and opened her mouth wide, the way Sister Salt did. The rain she swallowed tasted like the wind. She ran, leaped in the air, and rolled on the warm sand over and over. It was so wonderful. She took handfuls of sand and poured them over her legs and over her stomach and shoulders. The raindrops were cold now, and the warmth of the sand felt delicious. Sister Salt laughed wildly as she came rolling down from the highest point of the dune. So Indigo ran after her and leaped and rolled too. Her eyes closed tight against the sand. Over and over, down, 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 effortlessly. The ease of the motion and the sensation of the warm sand and the cool rain were intoxicating. Indigo squealed with laughter as she rolled into Sister Salt, who was helpless with laughter, and they laughed and laughed and rolled around, one girl on top of the other. They lay side by side with their mouths open and swallowed raindrops until the storm passed. All around them were old garden terraces in the dunes. Sister Salt remembers everything. The morning the soldiers and the Indian police came to arrest the Messiah. Grandma Fleet told Sister Salt to run. Run, run, get your little sister. You girls go back to the old gardens. Sister Salt was big and strong. She carried Indigo piggyback whenever her little sister got tired. Indigo doesn't remember much about that morning, except for the shouts and screams. Today's next book is The Gangster We Are All Looking For by Leigh T. D.M. Twee. This story uncovers the life of a young girl living in the United States after her family is pulled from the ocean while escaping Vietnam in the late 1970s. 
The writing is expressive, the story is impactful, and moves like ocean swells, where experience and memory merge in the young girl's narrative. This book is thought-provoking and compelling, and difficult to put down. The first page of The Gangster We Are All Looking For. Sutop. Linda Vista, with its rows of yellow houses, is where we eventually washed to shore. Before Linda Vista, we lived in the green apartment on 13th and Adams, in Normal Heights. Before the green apartment, we lived in the red apartment on 49th and Orange, in East San Diego. Before the red apartment, we weren't a family like we are a family now. We were in separate places waiting for each other. Ma was standing on a beach in Vietnam while Ba and I were in California with four men who had escaped with us on the same boat. Ba and I were connected to the four uncles, not by blood, but by water. The six of us had stepped into the South China Sea together. Along with other people from our town, we floated across the sea, first in the hold of the fishing boat and then in the hold of a U.S. Navy ship. At the refugee camp in Singapore, we slept on beds side by side, and when our papers were processed and stamped, we packed our few possessions and left the camp together. Today's third book is The Other Americans by Leila Leilami. There is so much in this book, a mystery surrounding a hit-and-run of a Moroccan immigrant, an evolving love story, and as the story unfolds through alternating narratives, we come to know its diverse group of characters and the fractures between them around culture, religion, and more. The book is rich with engaging storytelling around relationships and timely topics that are handled with purpose and depth. The first page of The Other Americans. Nora. My father was killed on a spring night four years ago, while I sat in the corner booth of a new bistro in Oakland. Whenever I think about that moment, these two contradictory images come to me. My father struggling for breath on the cracked asphalt, and me drinking champagne with my roommate, Margot. We were celebrating because Margot had received a grant from the Jerome Foundation to work on a new chamber piece, her second big commission that year. We'd ordered steam mussels and shared an entree and lingered late into the night. The waiter was trying to convince us to get the chocolate mousse for dessert when my phone rang. I have no clear memory of what happened next. I must have told Margot the news. We must have paid the bill, put on our coats, walked the five blocks back to our apartment. A bag was packed somehow. But I do remember driving home on the five freeway. In the foggy darkness that cloaked almond groves and orange orchards, all the while dreaming up alternative explanations. Perhaps the sheriff's department had misidentified the body, or the hospital had swapped my father's records with someone else's. These possibilities were far-fetched, I knew, and yet I clung to them as I drove. Under my headlights, I could see only twenty feet ahead, but the fog lifted at dawn, and by the time I reached the Mojave, the sun was out and the sky a brazen blue. All I could hear when I stepped into my parents' house were my heels on the travertine floor. There was a copy of Reader's Digest on the console, a set of keys on a yellow wrist coil, and a pair of sunglasses with a missing lens. 
One of the framed photos on the hallway wall was askew. In the living room, my mother sat on the sofa, staring at the cordless phone in her hand, as though she couldn't remember how to use it. Thank you for spending time with me today. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe.